or good evening, whenever or wherever you are, whether you're doing your weekly chores, about to embark on a long car journey, or simply have us on in the background. I thank you for tuning in to series four of How to Buy a Kitchen or Bathroom. My name is Georgina Townsend, and I am your host and the acting editor of Kitchens, Bedrooms, and Bathrooms magazine. We've switched things up a bit and recorded the episodes in person in our office, each with two special guests who are experts in their field. I wanted our conversations to be more like informal chats that you can hopefully get lots of tips and advice from, while also joining us for a laugh or two along the way. Of course, as irony would have it, the first time we do this face-to-face, building work started on the floor below us, so you may just hear the occasional bump or bang, all part of the fun, right? third episode, I was joined by interior designers Brooke Cott Barton of Brooke Cott Barton Interiors and Kia Stanford of Kia Designs as we delved into bathroom fixtures and fittings. From the pros and cons of freestanding and fitted baths, how to pick a shower head, and trust me, that's harder than it sounds. What should you think about when planning a vanity area? And which should you pick first, your taps or your basin? But before we get going, I have a favour to ask. We want to try and help inspire and advise as many renovators, DIY enthusiasts and interiors aficionados as possible. So please, if you have time, share this episode with friends or family or your neighbours down the street who are doing or even thinking of doing up their bathroom plus leave a review and subscribe right let's begin shall we okay hello brooke and kia thank you so much for joining me hi i'm brooke from brooke cut barton interiors hi i'm kia from kia designs thank you very much very slick i like it so today we're talking about bathroom fixtures and fittings and the frequently asked questions we get here at the magazine so let's kick it off with the first one which is what are the pros and cons of freestanding and fitted baths? Brooke, let's start with you. Freestanding baths can look absolutely fabulous. Um, They can give a real wow factor to a room. Um, And, you know, if you like a bath, it can be very luxurious um, and make you feel a million dollars. Um, I would say the downsides are um, space. You need to have have quite a a large bathroom to accommodate one. So make sure that that you have enough room if if that's what you're thinking of. Also, just in terms of things like practical issues of kind of cleaning around, sometimes freestanding furniture can be more difficult to maintain and and keep looking good. But yeah, I mean, I think fabulous and, and go for it if you can. Yeah, I'd say with freestanding furniture, it is often the practicalities that do come out quite early. We do make sure that you can clean behind it is essential. And we have often put them in a wet room area that does mean that we do have then a standalone shower head and a nicely discreet shower piece within the bath area to be able to make sure that you can shower all down that area and make sure that it does stay pristine. With something like a freestanding bath, I would probably put it in a central space so that you can kind of move all the way around it. I think some of the issues with cleaning can come when it's it's up against a wall. So kind of getting in behind it is is tricky to do that kind of cleaning. So they usually, I think, work better when there's a lot of space. What about if you want a bath shower combo? Can freestanding baths work with them? 
They can. Again, they come down to the practicalities of being able to use it. If we are looking at something like a wet room, that does mean the entire room is tanked and it is something that is going to be a feature. It can work. We wouldn't normally lean towards that just because if we are looking to do something that is a freestanding bath, as Brooke said, it often is a feature and not therefore something that we would put a, a shower above. We would move the shower to a separate area within the room because otherwise it's just kind of competing and it can make it quite difficult to be able to make sure that that is going to work. A bath shower does tend to lend itself better to a fitted piece of furniture. I remember when I was doing my bathroom, I wanted a freestanding bath and a shower combo. And my bathroom designer said, not if you're using that every day, it's not practical really. And especially because the freestanding bath that I was looking at, it was quite, to put it in one way, budget friendly. It wasn't very heavy. And they said, you know, if you're using that as your shower tray, essentially it's, it's going to rock and it's not going to feel very secure. So um, I had to abandon that dream. I think there are there are some that exist, freestanding bars, kind of shower combos. Uh, as Kia said, it's not something that we would necessarily use. I think you also have to consider the weight of somebody standing in a bath. And actually, that's a consideration for a fitted bath shower as well, because you need to get kind of reinforced baths that carries the weight of you standing at one end. And and I think with these things, it's better to perhaps go a little bit more expensive with that bath, go for one that is stainless steel so that it doesn't slightly buckle. Some of the cheaper ones can buckle and come away from the edges a little bit just with that regular usage and, and regular weight standing at one end. Do you think fitted baths have a bit of a bad rep? I sometimes feel that people think that they're boring or they're, they can't be statements. Is that completely wrong? Can you have a statement fitted bath? Yeah, you definitely can have a statement fitted bath. There's nothing to say that um, you're not going to still walk in and say wow over having a fitted bath in there um, at all. A lot of the baths that we have done and uh, have been nominated or won awards have fitted baths in them. So there's definitely nothing to say that that isn't possible. It's just going to be different and your focal point might be might be different. It might be the tiles that are going around it, doing a beautiful tile piece on the front. And um, there are gorgeous baths that actually do have, you know, fully rounded edges. So being able to use a stunning mosaic on the front of it. And if that's what works for your space and any plumbing considerations we might have, and um, there's always going to be other things that, that lead into it. So there's nothing to say that you can't have an absolutely stunning luxury bathroom with a fitted bath in it. I think you can do a lot with bath fascia and different materials. So often perhaps an Oroco wood fitted bath with kind of Oroco wood side and little lights coming up from the edges that, you know, there's all sorts of ways you can make that fitted bath a feature within the room. What do you need to think about if you are getting a fitted bath? Have you ever said to someone, I really don't think your space is big enough or it's not going to be practical? It often comes down to where you're putting the emphasis of the layout. As we were just sort of discussing, if we're looking at it being an ensuite and we're relatively pushed for size, are you going to be using this absolutely every day? Get up, two people, having a shower, um, time constraints on being able to get ready for a you know, busy day and school runs and all of those kinds of things, then we would probably lean towards there might actually not be a possibility of you putting a bath into the ensuite because 
because it just actually isn't very practical. And we might decide to put that, say, in a family bathroom, upgrade there to be able to have more space and to actually be able to use a really well thought out fitted bath into there rather than something that just doesn't work on a day to day. So um, we definitely think about when you're going to be using the bathroom and the frequency and how it's going to be used to be able to make sure that you're picking the right piece for in there. Because yeah, sometimes a bath isn't going to be right for for every single bathroom. How do you feel about the teeny tiny freestanding baths? I'm not a fan. Um, I think, again, that comes down to personal choice. If clients particularly wanted a, a teeny tiny freestanding one, then that's obviously their prerogative. Personally, from an aesthetic point of view, I think they just look a little bit stunted and a little bit compromised. And I'm not also convinced at how comfortable they are. Um, when you're actually in them. But if space dictates and that's what somebody really wants, then, uh, you know, I would never stop them having what they really want. I would always look at the proportions of the room and see whether that is going to look, uh, as Brooke said, snunted or a little bit off in terms of how everything else then presents itself within the space. We have had uh, properties that we've worked on where we are constrained with where we can put something and we have looked at alternative ways of being able to do it where we have had clients who have then uh, requested a bath and shower, but they don't want them together to be able to use a Japanese soaking bath. There are often things, but it is then very individual for whoever is going to be using that bathroom if that is going to be something that they want and are actually going to use once it's in there. If it is going to be that kind of feel, then one thing I would definitely would recommend is you need to go and see this. You need to go and get in that bath and really understand how it's going to feel to be using it in that manner. It does work, especially when you're designing for lots of different people from different cultures. That might not be a problem at all. They might look and go, oh no, I've used hundreds of those. I'm completely fine with that. And I absolutely love that in my bathroom perfect. Then it works for you um, and we can design around that. So how important is it to sit in a bath when you're buying one? I think with a statement bath, um, a bath that is a significant purchase. And if a bath is something that you love having, then I think these things do come down to personal choice. And I think it will be important to go and try it before you buy it, because having the bath at the wrong angle would be something that annoyed, that would annoy you over a period of time. So if, if, it's, if it's important to you, then I would always advocate going in and having a look before you, before you jump in. And how do we feel about coloured baths? If it works for the design, most definitely they can be a stunning statement piece. We've used um, many a coloured uh, bath um, being very, very popular and using a lot of colour in our bathrooms. So yeah, definitely something that we, we have used often. How do you pick a colour? We go back to what the clients have picked out in their original selection of mood boards and materials. So it might be something that, for example, if we had lent more towards being able to have a pop of colour in the room. So, for example, that they're looking for everything else to be relatively muted, still colourful, but not necessarily a, a more statement piece. Then we might decide to um, colour the bath with that pop of colour to be able to make sure that it is an easier thing. I'm not going to say it's easy, but it's an easier thing to be able to update and change if they did decide to um, redo it in a few years time. But it means that it's got that emphasis that they were looking for and that real pull in the design to something that they have also invested in and really want to make a statement of. You see a lot of freestanding baths that are copper and all of these different metallics. Are they good? Not good? 
Metals in general for baths are a better way to go. Heat retention is higher in materials. Copper was obviously used previously for piping and so is very good with um, water. It does, however, require maintenance. And so if we were going to use very particular materials like that, um, we were obviously talking about wood baths um, earlier, and that is very important to make sure that you understand the care and maintenance of it. Very similarly for a copper bath, um, making sure that it is maintained and also understanding what it does look like as it ages. If you are wanting it to stay in that bright, bright copper, um, you're going to have to do a lot to be able to keep it like that. The patina of it does change over time. And that is one of the beauties of using some of those more natural materials, whether it be wood, whether it be copper, something that actually has an aging quality to it is what you're looking for for that. So if you're looking at it just from that pure perspective of as soon as it's installed, it can be beautiful. It can also be, especially when you're looking at metals, it can be heartbreaking the first scratch that you get in it, but it's part of the life cycle of a material like that, whether it's a wood or a metal, it's going to maintain an age and that's part of, of its life. Okay. Another frequently asked question we get is how do you pick a shower head? Now this seems almost like a really easy question. Surely a shower is a shower, but when you start looking into shower heads, it's really not that simple, is it? It is not the most simple of choices. A good bathroom is one that functions without you really having to massively think about it. It means that it's already thought about all of the things that you want to be able to do. For example, when you are looking at a shower head, are you looking at being able to have an overhead shower? I do adore an overhead shower, but it is not for me because I do not wash my hair every single day. Having had my hair coloured many different times, I don't wash it every single day as many of us don't. So an overhead top shower is not right for me every single day. Um, what I do need is a shower on a riser that means that I can adjust it to make sure that every single morning I can have a shower without having to wash my hair, without having to massively do the dance that we have many times done if you've ever been to a hotel room that doesn't have a shower riser in it in an attempt to try and be able to make sure that you're not getting your hair wet. So that's definitely something to consider. Also making sure that it's at the right height for people that are using it. So we often do put the double version of being able to have a riser and an over overhead shower in, um, in order to be able to use the bathroom effectively for the different people that are going to be in there every single day. It's also worth thinking about if you do then have a riser, how long the hose is on the riser and whether that's actually going to be useful to be able to clean out your shower area. If it's not, you might want to put a separate lower down riser that is done for cleaning it all out or being able to use it for different aspects. For example, we've done many showers that need to be able to have a low down riser for people who pray um, and need to be able to wash several times a day without being able to have to fully get undressed in the shower. Being able to wash your feet for prayer is extremely important as part of that bathroom design to make sure that you're thinking about all of that. So the shower head isn't always just used for what you might initially think when you're in there. It does come down to cleaning. It comes down to cultural uses. And it also comes down to, yeah, whether you're going to be washing your hair every day. The other consideration with showers is where you put the controls, the on-off, the thermostat. And usually you'd, you'd want to design it so that you can turn the shower on and change the, the heat without getting a, a dose of cold water before you get in the shower. And the most glamorous of topics, water pressure. Is that something you need to think about? 
It is something you definitely need to think about. Um, making sure that you get it checked before you select any showerhead is really important. It's also to be very well aware of the restrictions that are put on uh, water flow, which is to do with being able to save water. So newer pieces that you're selecting, they're going to have a restrictor in there. And that's going to be um, something that is going to need to be considered when you're going. It's not something you can avoid. It is something that you're going to just need to know how that's going to affect. So we often have had had clients who have been away on holiday and have seen a particular type of shower in another part of the world and have said, oh my gosh, it's absolutely fantastic. We loved this. The entire suite was done in waterworks and we were so, so happy with it. And it was beautiful. And then we select the exact same shower here in the UK and the pressure, they're just like, well, what's happened? You know, why have we had this huge drop off? And it's because there is a restrictor in place here. And that needs to be something that you're very well aware of, which is not something that would be advertised normally. And generally speaking, the higher up you go in a house, the lower the water pressure gets. And with some of these big shower roses, they require more water pressure to get the the required results. So it's something that you definitely need to be checking with a plumber before you go ahead and make an expensive shower purchase. So if you have low water pressure, I'm guessing the smaller the shower head, the better? It's very, very difficult to give an accurate answer on that just because it completely depends on on the actual specification of the item that you're using. It is best to yeah check what your water pressure is beforehand. And if you're still worried about it, do go in. Uh, you know, there are fabulous bathroom showrooms that are going to be able to advise you really well of this is the bar pressure that we have for here. What do we think we should be going with? And it will limit the choices that you have and give you a selection that you are then available to to choose out of as opposed to always going with, okay, I really, really want the, you know, 30 centimetre rain shower. That might not be something that is possible. It is always possible or often I should say possible to be able to put a pump in, to be able to improve water pressure, especially if you're doing the master suite and it's at the top of the house as Brooke mentioned it's not always the place that has the best water pressure so it might be something you'll want to invest in to be able to use it but you also need to be very well aware of what the knock-on effects of that are in terms of how it affects the water pressure throughout the rest of the house and also the noise considerations that they can sometimes come with they're not crazy noisy. But if you do, for example, have two people who are going to be using the bathroom, one of whom has very different hours to somebody else. We at the moment have a a set of clients who have extremely different schedules, um, one being an opera singer. And so he is often doing late nights and late mornings and one who is a solicitor. And so he is up bright and early and they are constantly battling out over the noise of a shower. If we had added to that problem by giving them a pump that also uh, clicked on, um, I think we might I have been shown the door. <laughs> the other thing I'd recommend is if you're about to embark on a, a bathroom renovation is to, and if you have a very fixed idea of what type of shower that you want, is talk to your plumber about it. Show them the specification because often they will be able to say actually whether that is possible or not. And some of the other considerations are, is it a concealed thermostat? Is, is it a, an exposed thermostat? Where is the, the pipe work? going to physically going to go can it be channeled in that wall often you can't channel pipework in external walls you can channel it within stud walls so i would would always advocate running your your plans and your ideas past tradesmen who understand the nuts and bolts of how to actually fit these things okay so next question when should you plan the lighting for your bathroom and are there limits on what you can have 
Lighting should be one of the first things you think about. If you think of things in terms of first fix plumbing and first fix electrics, that's when the floor is taken up, all the pipework is laid. It's at that point that all, and all the walls are down. It's at that point when all the wiring is also done. So it's before the walls are replastered, before your lovely, gorgeous, beautiful floor tiles are put down. So lighting needs to be considered right at the early stages of planning. And yes, there are all sorts of considerations to be had when it comes to lighting in bathrooms, largely down to electrics and water. You need to be very careful with and all lights that, that are within wet space need to be IP rated. And there are different zones within a bathroom, depending on how close you are to the water source and how close you are to splashes and, and so forth from showers and baths and basins and things like that. Kia, what do you like to recommend when a client comes to you and they asks you, how should I light my bathroom? We often look at how they're going to be able to use it. So for example, if we're looking at the most difficult thing to light, interior bathroom that's going to be an ensuite. Happens very regularly, um, especially in when we've done refurbs. It can often mean that in order to be able to provide that ensuite, um, we've had to go and actually put it inside. That means that it doesn't have any natural light of its own. So being able to light that at the different points of day that you're going to be using it is what you need to think about. If you're going to be using it first thing in the morning, maybe you might want to look at some low level lighting. That means that you can turn something on that isn't going to be your early morning wake up call so that it, you can use the bathroom, brush your teeth, maybe have a nice calming shower first thing in the morning without it being extremely bright. Um, and then you move on to some of the things that you might want to have more light in there for. Think about what you're going to be using that bathroom for. If you're going to be using the main mirror there to be able to shave or put makeup on, you do want to make sure that you have some really good forward facing lighting to make sure that you've got an even overall lighting source on your face to be able to make sure that you can see what you're doing. And you'll want to make sure that you also understand when things are going to be switched on. If you've got low level lights, down lights in the ceiling and forward facing lights around the vanity area, you don't want them all to come on at the same time. That would be absolutely pointless to be able to make sure that um, you're going to have the right kind of lighting. You also want to think about how much effort you actually are going to put in to being able to know which lights to put on, which sounds like a really finicky thing to be thinking about, but it is immensely important. We often, when we're doing WCs, it's one light switch. No one is going to go into a WC and be like, oh, there's seven different ways of being able to light this. I can put the down lights. I can put the... No, it's not possible for people to be able to... Guests in your home are going to switch the light on. That's what they expect. So however it's lit for that one scene setting is how you need to think about it. If you're then looking at a interior bathroom, you want to think, okay, I'm getting up in the morning. I need to be able to have those things. This is the three different types of lighting, low level, top down and forward facing. You don't want to be doing your makeup in top down lighting. You don't want to be waking yourself up first thing in the morning, with top down lighting, all of those kinds of things. If you're also one of those people that need to get up in the middle of the night to go to the loo quite often, you don't necessarily want to be switching on that main light. Also, if your bathroom is an ensuite and it's facing into the main area of the bed, that means that you might actually wake somebody up. You also want to be able be able to be relatively considerate of somebody else who, again, if you're not on the same time schedules, you're going to be going in, turning on the main lights and beaming light into the rest of the, the room is not going to work for you. So thinking about what you're going to use that room for, if you've got a lovely bathtub, again, a low level lighting option might be a really nice way of being able to, to give you a nice chilled out feeling. 
So our next frequently asked question, what should you think about when planning a vanity area? I think you need to think about how many people are going to be using it. Are you looking at a single vanity? Would that be enough? Or if there's two of you using the bathroom at the same time, then double basins would definitely be recommended. You need to be thinking about the mirror space. Does the mirror space accommodate two people standing side by side? The lighting in front of lighting up the vanity itself, but also make sure it's lighting your face, particularly if that's what you're going to be doing in front of in front of the mirror. The other thing with vanity areas is storage and perhaps how you hide the waste pipe. And sometimes with vanities, you can have drawers that open either side and that have a kind of U-bend kind of cut out of them so that you still have functional space within the vanity, but it shuts around the waste that's coming out of the basin within it. And yes, I mean, materials. When it comes to vanities, there's lots of different styles. Well, in terms of the basin, are you having a countertop basin which sits on top of the vanity? Or are you looking at some kind of undermounted um, that sits kind of flush with your vanity surface. And again, as always with these things, it comes down to personal taste and how you like your, your basin in your, in your room, where are you going to be putting your toiletries and so forth. But also you need to consider the waterproof nature of the surface that you're using. So if it is going to be a lovely upcycled vanity unit that is a, a wooden vintage piece, then you need to be treating that to stop the water ingress and just need to make sure that it's kind of fit for purpose. Kia, would you agree with me in the sense of I think the vanity area is one of the key ways you can add personality into your bathroom? Definitely. It's one of those areas that it needs to work really, really hard and really well for you. What we find very interesting, especially when we're often talking to people at the initial stages of design, which I always find absolutely hilarious once we sort of start talking to clients, is they often also say that they really loved a bathroom when they were on holiday. And they'll send us through some images or they'll say, oh, have you stayed in this hotel? We'll bring up the images of an absolutely gorgeous bathroom, beautiful vanity area that normally has a vast amount of top space. And then when we start to get into it, I'll say, do you have any pictures of this, of this bathroom once you have been there for a day? And like, oh no, no, well, everything goes out on the side. I know. Everything was out on the side because it's a hotel bathroom and they have specifically designed it so that you do not forget your things. There is very little storage in a hotel bathroom because they want you to have an everything out and very accessible, which makes it really, really useful when you're on holiday because everything is there. But it makes it extremely messy as a design feature for your own home. So as Brooke was saying, we need to think about that storage element. Think about how you're going to be using it, whether you're going to be getting ready in the morning and using an electric toothbrush. Well, we don't necessarily want to have the toothbrush sort of sitting out on the side. We want to hide it away to be able to make sure it's accessible and maybe behind a hidden mirror and all of those kinds of things give it that personality and mean that it's right for whoever is going to be using it. But it is always very interesting to see where that inspiration comes from and where we can then add that personality in because it is how you are going to function in that space. And when you use it, if you use a shaver, do we need to make sure that it's plugged in when you're shaving or does it charge and then you can use it from there? Great. We can then put the plug socket, the shaver socket a little bit further away. We can put it in a drawer. We can really work to make sure that everything also has a place for it. Because as I said, with those hotel bathrooms, literally nothing has a place. That's why it works really 
really nicely while you're away. Um, but when you come home and when we're designing for you, we need to make sure that everything is thought of. We have clients who have massive amounts of products. And with all of those products, it means that we need to have space that means that they can easily access them when they need it. So what we've done recently is, which was on a, the feature that we um, worked on with you, was that we had um, a wet and a dry vanity. So it meant that the client did have an area for her to be able to put makeup on. The vanity there was much finer than a normal vanity unit. It meant that she could get closer to the mirror. We didn't then have to put in, you know, any kind of extra pieces there. And it did mean that she could lay out all of her makeup. The first drawer in there was done only to be deep enough for a single row of lipsticks. So everything was easily accessible for her to be able to get ready in the morning. Um, and she loved to be able to stand to put her makeup on. Those are very personal choices and, and things that are going to come through when you're going through those initial ideas. Once you've got an idea of the look, then you're going to go to that function and you need to make sure that you're very honest with yourself about how um, you've done it. We had an absolutely hilarious conversation with a set of clients who we were talking about how they brush their teeth in the morning. And, you know, one of the clients said, well, yeah, I've got an electric toothbrush and I just, you know, I stand in front of the mirror, brush my teeth. And they were just like, it was almost this thing of like, why are you asking me this really odd question? Like, this is an obvious thing. And the other guy was just like, oh, um, I brush my teeth in the shower. Horror, <laughs> absolute horror on his husband's face. I'm sorry, pardon what? We've been together how long? And this is now coming up. But he was just like, yeah, no, I, I, that's where I brush my teeth. And yeah, it was one of those things of now we needed to make sure that that was thought of within the design. So was that something that he, you know, needed to be able to have a toothbrush holder within there? Or does he tend to bring it out and then put it back on the side, which is clearly what he'd been doing since no, no one had noticed. And so it was that thing of like that made a real difference to how we then put a few of the items within there. And we did actually end up putting yeah, a little secret little toothbrush holder <laughs> on the inside of the shower just so that it was it was there and ready for him because that's how he got ready in the morning. Is that his favourite bit of the bathroom? Possibly, possibly. I think it's the favourite bit of his husband that it's hidden. That was, the, that was the ultimate element for that. I mean, we've really gone into the practical side here. Brooke, we've well, featured a bathroom of yours before, well, a home of yours before, which had a couple of bathrooms in it. One had an upcycled vanity unit and one had a sort of bespoke vanity unit in it. Can you talk me through those decisions? Yes, that was a great project. And the client wanted a very eclectic feel. She didn't want to have a very slick kind of um, minimalist room. She wanted it to have more personality. So we sourced an old vintage unit that we upcycled. So we completely stripped it all back. We treated the, the vanity to make sure that it was water resistant. We then amended the drawer functionality so that it accommodated the, the U-bend underneath. And we found a basin to sit on top of it and we drilled the holes in for the taps and so forth. And so what she ended up with was, it was actually a kind of arts and crafts unit. So it had kind of real heritage and, and it was just a really warm, lived in feel to the space. And then we also painted the floor in checkerboard paint style. And then we had beautiful irregulars, a liege on, on tiles on the walls. And yes, it was enjoyable being able to have so much fun and try to make something original for her because her design styles were very specific. And then the second bathroom within the, um, it was a maisonette flat actually, was for our client's son. It was much more of a family bathroom. It, it required much more functionality, 
both vanities needed storage. I think, as, as Kia was saying, storage is so important. There's so much stuff that people have in bathrooms. Some of it's attractive, some of it's not quite so attractive. So you need to be able to have closed storage that you can put things away in. So part of the requir- requirements for this, this second bathroom in the second vanity, which was essentially the son's bathroom, was to have kind of closed storage to hide things away in. So with that one, we did a much more modern feel to it. Modern, but but also through, with warmth, with wood and natural materials. And again, the bathroom was, was a bit quirky in the sense that there was kind of herringbone flooring and yeah, just trying to mix some some materials. I know it was great fun. Which just shows you different bathrooms need different things, don't they? They have different requirements. One space and one thing doesn't fit all. Yeah, it's definitely extremely personal. And I think when you start getting into that sort of functional and technical side of things, you do start to realise how different those bathrooms do need to to work. And that is definitely part of the fun of it, of, of getting into the nitty gritty and working out how to solve those problems. Okay, our last question for our bathroom fixtures and fittings is, should I pick my taps or basin first? And how do I choose? Oh, that's a good question. I think they need to be thought about in tandem, really. I think it's, again, if you're looking at a, a vanity, are you, what, how, what's the storage functionality? Also, where is the pipe work going to be coming from? Are we able to do wall-mounted taps versus countertop taps, which is where they come out of the basin or the, the vanity? Um, so I think it's something that, that we look at together. I don't think you really look at them in isolation. I'd agree. I'd say you definitely want to make sure that that functionality works together um, and also making sure that you're um, aware of how you're going to use it. If it's going to be something where you're going to be, you know, uh, brushing your teeth and just washing your hands, then being able to make sure you've got a mixer basin tap on there for hand washing, then that's fine. If you are one of those people and you do want to be able to fill a sink up to be able to wash your face, making sure that you don't have a spout that goes too far into the center pine of the basin, uh, that's not going to be very comfortable if you are leaning down to be able to wash your face. So there's so many small intricate details for that to make sure that it works really well for what you want to be able to have in that bathroom. So yeah, making sure that those two things work together is extremely important. I think sometimes, um, I think it's really important important to look at the dimensions. So if you have a basin, you need to understand exactly. So often if you're looking at websites and dimensions and specifications of taps, for example, you'll have the the projection dimension, which is usually taken from the center point of where the water goes into the tap up the spout and then to the center of where the water comes out of the tap. And that is what you need to look at in relation to the size of the basin and how far does your tap extend into the basin because you need to think about splashing and are are those two pieces going to be compatible? Yeah, it's really it's really interesting because you do kind of start to get into a very mathematical sort of um, situation where you are then looking at if you've got a really curved sort of swoop to it um, and your water is hitting at one point and you have a high water pressure. If somebody is going to be, um, uh, we find with WCs, it's going to be used really hard very quickly. And so if somebody's like smashing, like a child, for example, is turning the water pressure on to full immediately and you're ending up with almost like a tidal wave coming out and off the basin 
face and top because of the angle that everything is hitting at, that's not going to be particularly useful. And, or, I mean, the child is going to absolutely love it. If you've got, if you've got a two-year-old, this is going to be their favorite thing, um, but it's not going to be your favorite thing to be able to be cleaning it up all of the time. Um, and so being able to, yeah, think about that um, way it's going to be used. And then maybe even looking at being able to restrict the amount of water that comes out of there in order to be able to make sure that it, that it functions um, and isn't providing you with any kind of extra problems. I do have to say, sometimes I feel quite smug when you go to a restaurant or go to a, I don't know, someone's house and you turn on a tap and it's just totally wrong for the basin underneath. And you think, well, they didn't think about this when they were designing this. We've all been to that that downstairs <laughs> toilet that splashes all over you. I know you come back out and you're just like, I promise you this was the tap. <laughs> I have looked like I've had a water fight with somebody when I just needed to go and wash my hands. Okay, that is it for this episode. Thank you so much. Great advice, great tips. Thank you for answering our bathroom fixtures and fittings frequently asked questions. And you two will be joining me for another episode. And I look forward to talking to you then. Thank you. Thank you. There you have it. I really hope that will help you make some decisions for your next bathroom project. A big thank you once again to Kia and Brooke. Before I leave you, I wanted to please ask again, if you liked what you heard, to please give us a review, subscribe, tag us on social media and share with friends and family. Until next time.